Hi Martin, evening. Evening guys, how's it going? Hey, Tommy. No, not bad. Now before we start, I have to say that I've been having some technical issues, so if there's any drop in the sound quality, it's my fault. I put my hands up and I apologise. Um, Listeners everywhere praying that you have a blackout and uh, <laughs> we, we can't hear you. Can I just point out as well, right, we've been doing this podcast for some amount of time, right? We need to get better at this. Who's going to say hello first? <laughs> stuff, right? It's absolutely a pot. I'm just as bad myself, right? Everybody takes a, a breath. You know what I mean? But this point, the listeners going, right? Are they actually all talking to each other? Or are they just going together? So, right, okay. We need to get better at that. In right, well, for now on, then I'll just introduce you and we'll just go straight into the topics then. Oh, but hard hitting. That's what we like. Bill's eye. Right, well. Welcome to this is I, Brooks the Rangers. Right, before we start tonight, gents, we have a new feature on uh, the podcast alongside the interviews, and it's called One Night at Ibrooks. And Scott, I believe you're doing the first one with a certain Mendieta. Yeah, so as you say, we're, we're rolling that out, and the the first one that we've had uh, is, is Gaika Mendieta which was absolutely fantastic. Great to speak to him. Um, of course, we, we spoke about a lot of different things. His, his career, all the good things he'd done in that. At the tail end of it, we discussed what he is doing now, if he's still involved in football, if he's doing a lot of coaching work, or indeed some media stuff. Um, but the important bit that we talk about is the bit in the middle where he, he speaks about that night in October 1999 when he came to Ibrox and led Valencia. Uh, in match day five of the, the group stage. Um, I was at that game, and for someone who thought he could play reasonably well at midfield, um, it wasn't until you see a masterclass like that that you realise just how far off it you were. He was excellent that night, um, and I would urge everyone, if they can find some time um, when that eventually airs at the weekend, um, to, to really have a listen to it. He was a fascinating guest to speak to. Highly recommend the listen. And Tommy, I believe you were initially meant to do the interview and Scott swiped it from under your feet. Do you know like the like the typical teammate that I am, I let I let him take the take the glory, so I just pass it along as a child line. I'll beat the keeper and I've rolled it back. Uh, not, I mean being part of a, a team like this is Ibrooks, uh, I obviously we're lucky enough to get sneak peeks of the interviews that we all do. I can't stress enough how, how good an interview is. Scott's done a fantastic job. There's more to come as we get through more players. Um, I'm definitely going to push the on-eye uh, phraseology as opposed yep. to one night at, uh, at Ibrooks. Um, listeners, feel free to say, what the hell are you talking about, uh, Tommy? <laughs> but yeah, Scott's done a great job. Uh, it's a great series. Delighted to have such a guest as uh, Geica. Uh, keep me right there, Scott. I think my yep. pronunciation is okay. Spot on. Uh, Mendieta. The final thing I'd say to it is, as well is uh, I, I was there that night as well because um, uh, Geica wanted some tips on how to, how to run a midfield. So uh, <laughs> I was sitting there as well and I don't think anybody came out there. I mean, Valencia gave us a bit of a pace in that night and we had a right good team and a right good midfield. And I 
don't think anybody could have argued with how good that Valencia team looked, but in particular, why Mendieta was such a hotly tipped and probably in the top three, maybe top one actually, midfielders of that time, so after by other clubs. Great interview, highly recommend it. I'll stop talking about it. When it comes out on Sunday, give it a listen. Simple as. Well, if you want to have a listen or view um, that specific um, interview, it will be on YouTube and it will be across all of our podcast platforms. Download it anywhere, Stitcher. I don't even know the names of half of them. I'm not that <laughs> technically proficient. Um, but lads, I've got a question for the two of you and, and I want a quick, serious answer. Scott, what age were you 26 years ago? What age was I? 26 years ago, I was 14. Uh, you know, in between that, I was too busy thinking about the maths. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was actually thinking about the slight because I thought when you said quick answer, that was a dig at me, and I am not going to give you a quick answer. I'm going to count this out on my fingers like, just to make a point. Uh, what am I? Twenty-six. Uh, uh, Fourteen. Fourteen. See. <laughs> Now, you can tell that our production meetings are top class. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm still teen, actually. <laughs> right, well, you've, you've, you've kind of spoiled the nuance of the subject I was coming on to talk about. And Tommy, 26 years ago, we happened to sign a certain man by the name of Brian Lowe. We did. And just, just before I get on to uh, Lowe Drop, um, it's worthwhile just pointing out that you're far too good at that. I'm sensing that if this was just a phone call, you start with, when were you born? What's your, what's your, your mother's maiden name? What's your credit <laughs> card number in your postcode? <laughs> so if anybody listening, uh, or any of the people that are followers on social media, get that call from a guy who sounds like Martin, do not pass over your, uh, your, your bank details. But, uh, but yeah, Brian Loudrop, no seriousness. Certainly for me, he's up there. Is uh, one of the greatest imports into the game and goes beyond that to be one of the greatest ever players to play in the Scottish game. Uh, he's, he's right in there. Uh, certainly, I, I saw what was it on social media? Was it was it the day? Uh, well, I was going to mention them, but I'm not going to bother. One of these mainstream media rags and they were comparing, I think it was James Forrest to, to Brian. <laughs> Who do you want on the right wing? Jeez. I mean, that's like, do you want a, a small bout of the sniffles or do you want full-blown COVID-19? Um, so, yeah, like I said, came came across from, I think he was on loan at AC Milan, but he was actually permanently contracted for Fiorentina. It was 2.4, uh, 2.5 million, something like that. Came in, just lit up the game. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to express to people what seeing a fit, relaxed, Brian Loudrop hit the Scottish game looked like. Even from the videos, don't do it justice. When he would pick up the ball, run with players, and I think I said this when I was picking my Jazz team, you know, going left, going right, equally comfortable, striking the ball, eye for a goal, eye for a pass, uh, famously not bad with the head as well, um, um, at least on one occasion. You know, the ability to see things that no, no player in Scotland were seeing, uh, to get him now, wow, you'd be talking, yeah, you're right in there on the 30, 40, 50 millions, all that type of scenario. So I'll, I'll stop waxing lyrical on it, but 
Brian Laudrup, we won't see the likes of that kind of talent in Scotland ever, or at least for a very, very long time. Incredible, incredible player. Scott, I, I was, I'm quite unfortunate in a way that I've only got vague memories of Laudrup because I'm so much younger than both you and Tommy. Um, <laughs> but is it fair to say that the Rangers fans wouldn't have seen a player quite like him since perhaps Cooper? Yeah, absolutely. I think him and Cooper were, were same in the sense that they were they were great entertainers, but different in the sense that I often felt that Loudrop just had that ability that he could he could play anywhere. Cooper was very much a left winger. Brian Loudrop could play anywhere, and when he played the Rangers, as far as I was concerned, they could do anything with the ball. He he was first class, a, a wonderful technician. Um, and I think as Tommy's alluded to there, he was a real athlete as well. He was clearly a, a guy that, that looked after himself and um, knew what he wanted to do and, and was very driven. Um, we were really lucky to get him uh, for, for Watersmith to bring in a player of, of Brian Loudrop's calibre to, to Scottish football. It was a, a huge coup for the club in the first instance, and I dare say for, for Scottish football as well. He's certainly the best ever foreign player to, to come to these shows and play, and I doubt very, very much we'll ever see anyone like him again. And did, does it kind of show you, Tommy, the state of the Scottish game that not only could we we'll never see a player like, like Loudrop in the Scottish game again, but there's no way that any Scottish club could afford somebody like that now? Yeah, I think by and large that's probably, that's probably true. Uh, you mean... Uh, some clubs can maybe take punts, uh, and Rangers will be in that position, you know, in time as well. But they are punts on. The majority of Scottish clubs are buying players with a resale view. It's just the way it is. Whereas, Loudrop was a fully formed superstar. Yeah. So no, no ifs or buts, right? And you could technically, if you wanted to get really into it, uh, and and the for the purposes of balance, you could say did it all quite work out for them in, in Italy? Okay, well, didn't quite work out Fiorentina. But, you know, he's still got, I think, something like five goals in 31 games or, or something like that. Uh, and then he got, he did well enough at Fiorentina to get the loan to Milan, who at that time were, were not a bad team, and they still wanted to take him up as well. But you need to remember that this is a guy who, so Rangers pick him up, and I think two years before he joins us, so, you know, 92 or whatever, he's voted fifth best player in the world by FIFA. Fifth best player in the world. Yeah. So you're talking about a fully formed superstar, not some guy who's had one good tournament or you know anything like that. And I think that's the big difference between what Scottish clubs can get now and, and what they could get then, or what Rangers really could get then, because no other club could have done that. But I, you, you won't get that anymore. I mean, the the notion of any Scottish club being able to go out and get. You know, anybody who's been that high on the radar within the FIFA rankings and other clubs is is probably nonsensical because the the wage structures forget transfer fees the wage structures of other clubs uh, EPL I'm looking at you uh, would would blow them out of the water so I think people just you know in that cycle of people always think of massive transfers and they think in the modern era closest comparison for the for younger people would be Steven Gerrard becoming manager massive huge. Right, headlines everywhere, and then you cycle back a bit. Probably say Paul Gascoigne, the next big one, generates a lot of headlines. 
I would argue that bigger than both of those at its time because of his peak and his standing in the European and world game, Brian Lauder. It, it was a headline maker and we were so lucky to get him for such such a small fee. It's, it yeah. still makes you shake your head when you go, how much <laughs> is there a, did, did that, you know, is there a decimal point after the first two numbers? Uh, <laughs> no, that, that was it. So, yeah, incredible. I could sit and we could have a podcast all about him all night, to be honest with you. But Absolutely. Massive sign. Well, on that note, if Brian, if Mr. Loudrop, I should say, my apologies, is listening and he wants to be chat with us, he's more than welcome to come on whenever he wants. Absolutely. And I would believe my first question would be a Jim White question. It's simply, why are you so good? <laughs> Still one of my favourite all-time questions. Get a yellow tie on, uh, and let's be quite clear, that's a, that's a one that I would not be passing back along the six-yard box. <laughs> <laughs> How nicely he asked. I think as well, though, we, a personal sort of thing for Loudrop, when you look back, there's, there's little parts of his Rangers career that you always you instantly sort of identify with the, the header at Tannadice, the, the Gordon Jury Scottish Cup final. <laughs> um, he, his goal at um, Celtic Park when Brian O'Neill fell on his arse, uh, that horrible night that David Robertson spoke to us about very recently. Um, a memory that I have of Brian Loudrup, I remember him scoring from the touchline against Aberdeen at the Copeland Road end. And I'm still not entirely sure how he done it. So I would urge anyone that's, that's watching us to, to jump onto YouTube and look for that goal. It is an incredible piece of technique. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like I say, Martin, he's, he's just, he's someone we'll never see again. We were so lucky to have him. And for Tommy and I, we were lucky to lucky enough to actually go to the, the stadium and see him. He was, he was such a gift to us. Yeah, incredible. Can I ask one thing? Sorry, about Can I just add one thing to that? Uh, just occurred to me as you were speaking there, Scott. Something that you probably don't necessarily associate with that type of player. But if you got the chance to see him and you, you, you watch the clips of the games and all that, not scared of the fight. No. Not one of these trick wingers or anything like that who you hit him once, some fullback and threw him and they didn't want to know. Loudrop was harder than people would give him credit for and kept going back to the well against these hammer-thrower fullbacks and hammer-thrower uh, centre-backs that were getting away with murder sometimes. Time and time and time again, the guy was a proper athlete and he had the proper heart to wear that jersey as well. Absolutely, and the most probably the most frustrating thing about Loudrop is if you see any pictures of him today, he still looks the same. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I'm and David Ginoa are the, are the two that just defy age, to be honest with you. And me... And of, and of course, and of course, the professor, and of course. But <laughs> gentlemen, we shall, we shall move on. And uh, Scott, it was announced here today or yesterday, my mind is pretty much gone at this point. I was up at half five this morning. That the Champions League and Europa Leagues will resume. Yes. Um, there's going to be mini, a mini tournament, I think, for the Champions League in Portugal and a mini league for the Europa League in Germany. But that means that we have to play our second leg against Bayer Leverkusen and it will either be on the 5th or the 6th of August as you give somebody a wee wave there. I know, it's my neighbour. 
and he's not cut for the same cloth as you and I, by the way. I should be giving him the fingers. Um, <laughs> I, do. I thought that was one of your fans. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? This is supposed to be a focused professional. <laughs> That's Donnie at my window asking for a cup of sugar or something like that. <laughs> focused focus on this stuff here. So, so we're playing, I think it's is it the 5th or the 6th of August we're going to play that next leg, aren't we? Had you not been waving at your neighbour, you would have heard me saying the 5th and 6th of August. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, listen, give them hell. It would be good to um, <laughs> good to uh, to get that sort of second leg out of the way, won't it? I, I think it's going to be, regardless of when that was going to be, it's going to be a really difficult ask for us to get anything against them, to be perfectly honest with you. They were technically an excellent side. Um, the, the boy Havertz is, is the next big thing. Um, there's, there's no two ways about that. Uh, it's going to be hard for us to get anything, but um, it's good that we're still there. Do you know? But I think if when we look back on this season amongst all the other crap that we've had to go through, particularly the last three or four weeks, um, he, Stephen Gerrard will look at the, the campaign in general as far as Europe's concerned. And it's, a, it's been a huge success. And we'll speak a bit more about the actual game when it comes a bit closer to it. But just as an initial reaction, Tommy, um, obviously Bayern are still playing now amongst every other team in Europe. They're still finishing off the leagues right now at the moment. But um, what do you give our chances of possibly doing the unthinkable in the away legs? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Heart versus head moment there. You're that's not passing that one, Tommy. It's <laughs> a horseball pass. That's, that's what that is. Uh, yeah, thanks for that, guys. Uh, listen, Scott, Scott mentioned that they are Bayern were a, a better team than us on the night at Ibrox. There's no, there's no two ways about that. There was a wee moment where we got one back and you thought, oh, is it Braga all over again? No. <laughs> it was the, um, if I could do a German accent, nine. Uh, it was the answer. Havertz is uh, a top quality player. Uh, I can't remember the name of the young boy that was brought in, uh, actually, for their main striker, but he was banging them as well. I think it cost something like 18 million euros the season before yeah. uh, that one there. I think the point you make, though, is uh, is very valid in that Leverkusen are playing games. Um, and due to, <laughs> due to the Scottish socio-political football landscape, our league's finished. Um, so... We're not, uh, and I know Stephen Gerrard had made some comments on RTV today about, you know, friendlies coming up, but that's what they'll be in the back in training. So we're always going to be at a, a direct disadvantage there as well. And then you've got the fact that, by and large, I fully expect the game to be played behind closed doors. The German Chancellor's office, uh, Angela Merkel's office, I should say, uh, is still working through a lot of their uh, social distancing measures, and there's no uh, real appetite to relax those. There's certainly no appetite with the UK Foreign and Commonwealth Office, the FCO, to relax the UK travel restrictions, which are currently set at essential travel only. So that would cover the players, but it certainly wouldn't cover fans. So, yeah, I very much doubt they'll be relaxed come August time. So it's got to be played by closed doors, 3-1 down, Bayer having played some games and being match fit. I was just coming out of uh, the blocks, so to speak. Yeah. Unless something amazing happens, then it's been a great run. But I uh, will take we'll take our prize money and we'll go back to we'll go back to Scotland. Thanks very much for having us. 
Well, that's pretty much, Scott, what it's all about, isn't it? It's, it's to me about extra prize money that we'll get from actually playing the game. And, hey, if the unthinkable happens, the unthinkable happens. But it's pretty much just about getting a, a competitive game under our belt and a wee bit of extra prize money. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think that the way it's looking, that's certainly going to be a, a next first competitive game of, of any sort of standard. Um and it's a you know it's a game that every game that the Rangers play means something. Of course it does, but I think this one with it being a, a Europa League sort of tie, it would be interesting to to think how I would have felt about it if we were going to to Germany the wall well one each, and maybe more of a a sort of foothold in the game, and maybe just the inclination that something could happen more so with the stadium being empty. Um, maybe takes a bit of pressure off some of the fringe players or, or players that maybe hadn't played a lot of games, players that don't really have a lot of match fitness. Um, takes a bit of pressure off these guys. I, I think it would be a mountain way too far for us to climb, frankly. Um, as, I, as I said in my, my sort of previous answer, they were a really, really good side. Best side we've seen at Ibrox this season. And uh, we'd do well to, to just get the 90 minutes out of the road, take whatever prize money were due and just enjoy the experience and look forward to doing it again next season. One thing just just in that, or, or two things in that, uh, now that I think about it, I don't know what the absolute clarity is from UEFA regarding the squads that were submitted. If you've lost players, released players, players' contracts have expired and have left the club, if you're allowed to replace them within the the squads, or you just have to go with the players that you have left the rump of, of that squad that, that's still at the club. I'm not entirely sure about that. Uh, I sense there might be some further clarification to come on that. And the second point would be, oh, do you know what, stuff it. If we get an early goal, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't leave all doom and gloom there. Um, <laughs> you know, we get one, and all of a sudden, the Germans start to get nervous. Tommy, on, on your first point, Tommy. Though, if joking aside, if if they if if Leverkusen sell uh, Havertz in the summer, there's obviously a lot of talk about sort of people in in sort of the the Premier League down south are are keen on taking him on. Chelsea have been mentioned. So if he does leave, does that give us a small modicum of of opportunity to to go there and maybe have a go? He was very much a talisman at Ibrox. He was the guy that made them tick. Well, the, the answer is a, a clear yes. So if he gets so my understanding, um, and like I said, I, I need to clarify some of this, so happy for you guys to challenge me or any of the listeners to, to get in contact. My understanding is there'll be far too many risks and liabilities round about doing anything different. So let's say Kai Havertz has sold or there's a, an agreement in place for him to go to a Chelsea, a Liverpool, a, a Man U, whatever, a Man City. Yeah. He would have, the, trans, the registration would have to be transferred. There's no way he could take part in that game, so to speak, for Leverkusen because the contractual liabilities round about that, you know, God forbid, somebody comes through the back of his knee and ends his career. You know, Chelsea, for example, are going to want their money back. Bayern want their money protected. All, all those kind of nuances of the insurance and coverage and liability and risk market, um, which I'm not going to bore everybody with. But... You've got that. So the question is, we've sold the player. He's out the door. So he's away to play with his new club. Do we get a chance to, I suppose the bigger question is, do buyer then get a chance to replace him spending some of that money? So is it a case of, and again, this is what I don't have the answer for right now. 
if they lose a player, just like we've lost players from the squad, do you go into the game with who's left from the registered squad and that's all that can play? Or are you allowed to then drop in the new players that you've signed? Yeah. So we're protected in that, for example, with uh, Yanis Hadji because he was in the previous yep. squad. But not so much with uh, Calvin Bassey because he wasn't. Uh, the same would go with, uh, with Bayer. If they punt Havertz, which, let's be honest, they probably will, do they get a chance to spend some of that money that they would rake in to bring in associate players or do they have to go? And if they do have to go with what they've got, yeah, you definitely fancy a bit more because he is the talisman. Everything plays through him uh, and he's a wonderful, wonderful player. For, I'm pretty sure from what I heard on the radio today, now, don't, again, don't quote me on it, but I believe you're allowed to make three changes to your squad but you're not allowed to put any new signings in for the games. All it's right. got to be people who were already signed at your club. But again, don't 100% quote me, but I'm pretty sure that's what they said. And you know the news, the news is never wrong. So. Absolutely. Hopefully this was fan-led news that you were listening to and not uh, not mainstream one, uh, in which case it might be right. Uh, we'll, we'll, like, even if we play that out hypothetically that it is correct, then then you start to cycle through, pound for pound, are our backup players better or worse than Bayer's backup players? I sense I'd probably take a punt on Bayer's given what we had in the background. We are starting to look at people like um, Brandon Barker. Mm. Just edit that bit out. And, uh, uh, you know, some of the young guys might come in, you know, Nathan Patterson or uh, Kai Kennedy and stuff like that, just to be in and around the squad and travel to a a big European away game and be around about the stadium. It's a pity to lose out on the the fans being there. But, you know, there's options there. But I'd still say, we all know why you've got a better squad. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. Richer club playing in a richer league and they've got more talented players right now. That's it. Absolutely. And I suppose it begs the question then, Scott, does this make, with the English leagues and Portuguese leagues coming back and the Champions League and Europa League starting up again, does this make the decision that the SPFL made to kind of essentially end our season even more laughable? Oh, absolutely bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. And the reality is, even taking into account the things that have happened since we last done our podcast, there's more meat to add to the bones. So we are now getting to the third, fourth week even of doing the podcast and we're going to be speaking about the SPFL, league reconstruction and finances. It's it's just absolutely ridiculous. It was called way too, way too, way too early. But they've done what they were told and um, it's worked out. Everyone's happy, isn't it? Absolutely, and that's a nice little segue, as I like to always announce, and Tommy gets quite frustrated because you're not supposed to announce a segue. I give up. You know, I'm actually giving up. (laughs) But, but gents, and Tommy, I'll come to you first. But as last week, we discussed the possibility of the league reconstruction actually getting approved. We were all pretty sure it wasn't going to be approved, and lo and behold, it wasn't approved. Yeah, kill surprise. Uh, you know, it's hardly, it's hardly uh, shocking news, uh, as you quite rightly flag that Scotland, Scottish clubs, couldn't get its act together and uh, bastardised. Let's give a trophy out decision that was rammed down people's throats uh, via. 
potentially questionable means. Just quickly check that this is Ibrox lawyer. Yeah, potentially questionable means. That, that wording sticks, uh, I'm told. So, and then that, because it was rushed through like that, there's no surprise that we get to this point where people have a little bit more time and have a little bit more clarity on what the decision looked like, what it meant in that pan-European context, uh, as you quite rightly see, where you've got leagues from France to, to Belgium, etc., challenging left, right and centre, uh, less on championships and more on relegations uh, and calling things early and the liabilities that are attached to that and success successfully, you know, um, or potentially successfully overturning them. Scotland, an outlier, somebody wanted a trophy so they could celebrate it and get some sponsor money, it get rammed down people's throats. We now see that we're an outlier once again on the frozen fringes of football in Europe. Bit of a laughing stock. And then we have our main sponsors and TV rights deals starting to want to claw back money. Oh, who would have who would have thought that if only somebody had a dossier that, that laid out all these things really clearly? And then on top of that, you have hearts coming out with, uh, I think it's a joint legal action with Partick Thistle, um, thanks to their mystery donor uh, of, uh, of legal finance, um, to take essentially the SPFL to, to court on the relegation part again. So it's not about the ring fence monies, it's not about giving it the championship, it's not about placing people for European competitions. It's purely hearts don't want to go down, neither the Thistle, fair enough. I referenced this point last week when I spoke about everybody who looked to their own clubs and looked to protect them. Uh, I did also note, as I'd called last week as well, that there is a line in Hart's statement where they say, or monies uh, to, to balance out. So it's not all about relegation. We will take a, we will take a hard and fast check. So it's, to, to wrap all that up, though, because that is quite a long, uh, a long answer, it's no surprise that that all comes out and then people are sitting scratching their head and saying, actually, maybe we look a bit stupid and this might have not been the right idea. And ultimately what's going to happen is this is going to have to cycle through, I think, we'll go to the court, court session first, then probably the High Court. And I think if none of them see sense, you might very well see the SPFL being challenged and the vote and the way it was handled being challenged at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And so it's on to the cast. This is the same cast that the SPFL recently uh, said, mm, let's not bother going to them when Rangers won their case uh, in terms of the information that was given before our uh, European submission. Yeah. Uh, when that was highlighted and said, let's go to CAS and we can have this in an open air environment and work through all the steps that the SPFL took as well. They said, uh, actually, do you know, this would be a waste of time for the game. I sense if it gets to that stage, Hearts might find that they've got more friends in the SPFL board than they thought they did. And and like we said, Scott, I asked you the question last week, is Scottish football ever going to stop eating itself inside out? And pretty much it was a definitive no. Scottish, Scottish clubs in Scotland are going to do what's best for Scottish clubs. But playing devil's advocate, should Scottish clubs not do what's best for Scottish clubs? And if league reconstruction isn't the answer, could this not have all been avoided by simply the SPFL just hanging on a couple of weeks? and waiting to see what could possibly be done with regards to finishing the league. I know I'm bringing it back again to the league being called off, but that's where all the trouble stems from. 
Absolutely, I think they they have this actually. We spoke last week about the the sort of the way the voting is is conducted as well, and this sort of crazy if 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 two say no, then games a bogey. That's absolutely no use. Uh, more so in this current situation, if they were going to have a a vote to to effectively define the season, um, there had to be a bit more joined up thinking in my eyes as far as the vote was concerned, um, and just ha- just apply a bit of sensibility to it. Uh, every other country, I think, across Europe, um, is is now getting round to to sort of playing football again. Biggest leagues in in the in the world are now playing football again. This week, everyone's settling down to watch the English Premiership, and, and we are talking about how bloody and how messy this is going to get up here. I'll tell you one thing: the most frustrating thing for me is that. After debacle, 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 debacle. As I say, this is week four of this now, guys. And Neil Doncaster continues to be in a job. <laughs> Let's not forget Mr. McLennan as well. It, it's bizarre. Absolutely. It's absolutely bizarre. And and how it's been allowed to, to trot on as far as it has, it, it absolutely beggars belief. If I can just add to that, it's also really interesting that you could look at that from a slightly different perspective. Um, so I get Scott's point why these two actors still, still in role, still in post, so to speak. And then that goes back to, well, who's really pulling the strings uh, in Scottish mm. football? And if somebody, and that ties into some of your vote point there as well in terms of where's, where's the weight right now? Who's holding the government's whip hand? And as long as you've got two you know, usable serfs, um, or workable donkeys, uh, if you want to use that phrase in, instead, trotting up and down the beach for you, you might as well run them to death. Uh, and as soon as they're no longer usable, out you go. Because yeah. let's be quite clear, yeah, they're taking a lot of abuse, but they've delivered what they were told to deliver. I think you just need to look at, that. there's maybe a certain person who stood up and made an impassioned speech about why we shouldn't hold an independent investigation. I can't quite remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but I'm sure the listeners and viewers will know who I'm talking about. Hashtag um, rousing. But, but listen, t- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, also see- we're also seeing the effects of this. Um, if you go right back to the decision to cancel the leagues with the clubs now, um, a certain club from Edinburgh is in a bit of financial trouble, we hear. But also with this decision, we've now learned that we have to pay back BP in the region. If it's true, in the region of £2.5 million, and that's not including the dodgy, not dodgy, I better not say that, I better clarify, the deal we got with Sky, where we're going to lose out on quite a few bob as well. So it's good times ahead for Scottish football. Well, I'm going to leave that one to, to Scott whilst I flick through Tommy's big book of uh, lawyer training and make sure <laughs> that, uh, that I'm comfortable with my solicitor's knowledge. Well, if, if you don't mind, Scott, I'll, I'll, I'll take a bit of that. Carry on. Which is, uh, I think, first of all, I think it might be 2.3 million. I think maybe that's what's reported. Um, but, yeah, I mean, none of this, again, is, is unsurprising. And that's the, that's the part that is surprising, right? It, these stories about Scottish football and such stupid decisions, right? I mean, we can throw any word we want at it, right? And, uh, but let's just stick with stupid, nonsensical, idiotic, 
absurd, right? Or just, you know, de rigueur, um, or par for the course in Scotland. Oh, look, there's the SPFL made an absolute howler of yet another thing. Yeah, but that's the SPFL, isn't it? Okay, but at what point does the regime change? And this is what Rangers, point of Rangers dossier and flashing a light, uh, and, you know, they made some good things and maybe made one mistake in the deployment of it, but this was all what it was about. It was shining a light on the inner workings and where real decisions were made. So is anybody here, anybody listening, anybody picking up, you know, any information whatsoever, surprised that the SPFL ran through a decision and all of a sudden sponsors and TV rights, all that type of thing has come back saying, by the way, there's contractual obligations that you ran roughshod over and we now want our money back. Yeah, but we had to finish the league season. I think you'll find differently because the whole of Europe's not done that. If only <laughs> you would have held your tongue and your watch for a wee bit of time, you would have been in parallel with everybody else and people would be sitting watching a, a game being played in Scotland instead of the EPL tonight. But no, we need to give out the trophy because we have to give out money that was previously ring-fenced that they could have given out anyway, right? Uh, and for all those people who are always obsessed with the uh, Rangers' finances, um, get back to me when you spot that the SPFL have got an agreement with Post Brothers. I thought they only did clubs that were in terrible terminal decline. We're sitting here talking about, uh, Scott quite rightly put straight, but it's hard not to get impassioned and get frustrated about it again. We're sitting talking about these decisions over and over again whilst there's live football being played in other countries. Absolutely. This is absurd. And I can only reiterate what Scott says. In any other walk of life, in my professional life, I would be, as I am, calling for people to walk a vote of no confidence, it's quite clearly in the Articles of Association, and get them out the door. It's a member's organisation, the SPFL, and yet they're sitting back saying, oh, well, maybe, but let's all move on for the good of the game. You want to move on for the good of the game? Get rid of the bad actors at the top and, and then you can move forward in a new era with a clean slate. Because right now you're just going to get more of the same. So hell mend you. And so for people like Hearts and all that, by and large, hell mend them. Absolutely. And just to finish this off then, Scott, and we'll move on to a topic that I think interests Tommy very much. Um, with everything that's happened, with the leagues being cancelled, with clubs losing money, with TV deals going down the drain, with sponsors going down the drain. Do you expect any change at the top of the SPFL? No, absolutely not. Not, not at all. Ain't going to happen. For whatever reason, I don't know who they've got pictures of, but they're keeping them. There's, um, <laughs> there's no danger these guys are going to move out of position. I, I just I can't see it happening. The, the, the only way that this may go to a it's you or me kind of scenario is if Hearts and, and Partick Thistle really sort of take this all the way to the to the courts, to the highest courts in the land as far as sports um, is concerned. I don't see them them walking from their position. Uh, Teflon skin in every sense of the word. They're, they're going nowhere. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to go on a longer a longer rant on that. Uh, other than to say, yeah, these people are they're ticks embedded in the skin of Scottish football, right? So they're not going to walk out the door of their own volition. They have to be thrown out, uh, much like you draw poison from a wound. And certainly, it's a it's a weeping wound that Scottish football has right now. 
the only thing I'd probably disagree with with Scott or add to Scott's is it's uh, probably more it's less Teflon skin and more snake skin, uh, in my opinion. But uh, there we go. Uh, just before we move on to your next point, Martin, one thing I'd like to come back on. The figurehead of our football club is a is a world brand. Steven Gerrard is a world brand. He, he's, he's done the lot, as far as I'm concerned. Everyone in the world who follows football will know Steven Gerrard. I wonder what he's thinking as he sits in his flat or his house tonight, thinking, you know what I mean, watching football kick off in and around Europe. And the ditties that are trying to control our game can't get their house in order. So we're having to to do all the things that we know we're having to do. And as a result, the game continues to be affected by it. It's nonsense. It's absolutely nonsense. Well, I have to admit, Scott, I have to apologise because my brand new kitten, who Twitter helped me name, I must admit, all the, for all the listeners on Twitter, thanks for the name, Begby. My missus, she says, thanks very much. She was so happy when we named the kitten, but he's trying to get in on the conversation. Nobody leaves this podcast and we find out who glassed that, that host. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Toby, that's actually quite a good point just before we do move on. Um, Stephen Gerrard's came up. He's obviously heard a wee bit about what the media's like and what the league's like. But I don't think even for a, a man of Gerard's experience, he would have expected to come into anything like this. No, uh, is the short, the short answer to that. And in keeping with my usual self, I'll then build, build on that. So, I mean, I even touched on this uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sick and tired of Scott plugging all these, all these uh, interviews. Right, I'm going to do it as well. <laughs> I, I touched on my interview with... Uh, with Mark Warburton and to a little extent with uh, Ronald DeVore as well. Yeah, have have some of that, Parson. Uh, so would be, <laughs> and, and both of them have been caught out, particularly particularly Mark, uh, in terms of the, people can be you know real football people and being in and about the game, but they are taken by the or taken by surprise by the vitriolic nature of uh, the mainstream media in, in Scotland, and this is why it's, it's one of the main reasons that free fan content and free fan media like ourselves has exploded to such a large extent because we're delivering not just an echo chamber, right, because we'll ask the tough questions and call the club out when, when it needs to be done, but it's not coming from a place where there's an agenda to be negative about the club. We are upfront about the fact that we are fans, you know, died in the Will Rangers fan, talking to two other died in the Will Rangers fans, and apart from the odd Celtic fan who probably listens in, Rangers fans. But we all take objective positions. That's right, that's wrong, don't like that, don't like him, he's not worth the jelly, all that type of stuff. So there's nuance there, whereas I think the mainstream media by and large will have an agenda, and that's been shown, you know, Rangers haven't put in a couple of complaints that have been upheld fairly recently. You've got even uh, student journalists getting involved in that type of thing as well. So they, they know how to breed them. And they then wonder why players, I'm thinking as well of that open goal uh, interview um, that Wes Godringham did, and then there was a headline which totally taken out of context to give a totally different spin on it. Yeah. Now, this is just driving players and football professionals and supporters away from the mainstream media. They wonder why they're not getting the hits. It's because they haven't treated 
the fans with any respect and therefore the clubs with any respect. Keep doing that, you keep seeing people like us. So whilst they're out making up lies, we're talking to football professionals. Scott's talking to um, incredible players like Mendieta. We're working on more exclusive content or delivering it to people and we're engaging with them. That's why players and fans, to answer your question, uh, sorry, players and football professionals, yes, have been caught out with uh, the two-sided nature of the MSN because it's not balanced critique. It's agenda-driven nonsense. And they won't really deal with them anymore. So you've got fan content, you've got in-house RTV, and those two things shouldn't be conflated with each other because they're absolutely different. And then you've got the mainstream media standing on a bit of waste ground looking out, uh, looking in from outside. Um, so running all that right back round, I do promise I will get better at getting to your question and answers. Is if I'm Stephen Gerrard, I'm sitting going, my God, this place is tinfoil. Because he'll have been warned as much as you can, but then he sees it for himself. And I can only imagine what it's like when he goes to these meetings with the SPFL uh, as a Rangers representative and has to listen to these two-bit players waxing lyrical about things that in any other league setup they would have been ran out of town about. So, yeah, it's it's to our credit that you know we've got someone like Stephen. Um, it's to our credit that we at least have a good governance setup, and it's to our credit we're trying to call it out. Yeah, until we can get them out, I sense that we're going to feel a lot more of this from the SPFL and from the media. There we go. Right, James, let's go on to a controversial topic, possibly, and it's about the Scottish national team. Now, I'll just ask you both for a quick yes or a no, and then we'll discuss it a wee bit more in depth. Did you still follow Scotland? Are you still interested in the Scotland results, Scott? No. Tommy? It's a no from me as well. Discuss. I'll go first, Tommy. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely think that... That's exactly what happened with the men <laughs> <laughs> from, from my perspective, I think from, from, a, a, from a support and a football team perspective, uh, my sort of first and only love without sounding daft or cheesy about it is always going to be Rangers. Anything that happens thereafter, I'm I'm not really that interested. And I think that applies to, to the national team as well. A couple of reasons for that. Um the the general governance of, of the game up here, which of course links directly into the national team. Um we've spoke about it for ages now, but when you go back to 2012, I, I felt that we were royally shafted by them. Sorry, Tommy. Um, but we were. <laughs> I think you had, you, recently, we've, we've had instances when Ryan Jack has, has turned up to, to work with the national squad and they've ran him into the ground. He's came back injured and we've lost him for weeks after that. So they're quite clearly not taking care of our players when we get them. And I think also, like it or not, you also have the situation where if we've got players that are, are picked to play for for their country, being Scotland, and they go to play, they're instantly booed. Completely unacceptable. Why should we, as Rangers fans, see that as being something acceptable? So that's one of the main reasons that when they're playing, I'm not that fussy for watching them. 
are you just kind of along the same lines there, Tommy? Is it just the case of everything basically that's happened since 2012, the boon of Rangers players and the all-round governance of the game? Don't, don't you try and wrap up my answer and tell, tell me <laughs> what, what I think. Um, well, yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> so, by and large, although I think in, in terms of order importance, I suppose, it would be, I agree with everything Scott's just said there, and some of the handling of, uh, of Rangers players uh, has been you know, fairly, fairly poor. Uh, some of the handling of the former Rangers managers, um, Alex McLeish, I'm looking, I'm looking at you, uh, has been pretty poor as well. Didn't deserve the way that he was allowed to be treated by uh, the SFA. Uh, are all you know real blocks in the fact that why it doesn't really particularly um, interest me. I think there's been a, also a bit of a dilution of the importance of a lot of international football. Uh, club will always come first for me. There's a whole social, socio-political landscape, cultural landscape within Scotland uh, with the nuances of clubs versus uh, country as well. But the real thing that, and I'm not saying individuals because I'm sure there's lots of good individuals and that includes you know, Rangers fans who support the Scottish national team. I mean, yeah, yeah. judgment on them. Everybody's allowed their own, uh, their own feeling. But what really does get me is the fact that for a large section of the Scottish fan base, the Scottish national fan base, the, the, the Tartan army, uh, if, if you like, um, put that in italics. It's fashionable to hate Rangers overtly and get away with some of the language that's used, um, you know, Ryan Jack being abused, any other Rangers player being abused, celebrating when Rangers players can't, you know, aren't called up. That's, that's not something I want to be part of. So, do you know what? If you want to be supporting that national side in that way, that's fine. Don't ask for the biggest club in your country, the, the support of that club, to get behind you. Now, again, I don't make any judgment call on any Rangers fan who says, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Tartan Army supporter, paid-up member, and I love them. Fair enough. That's everybody's individual choice. I make no comment on that. But for me, the fact that it's fashionable to hate Rangers vocally in that support, I'm not going to give them the time of day. There's lots of other international teams with better players that I can watch. The sad thing for me is, um, and, I, and I'll nail my colours to the mast, <clears throat> I still support Scotland and I still want to see Scotland win, simply because I can't not support a team that I support, if that makes sense. Um, when, I, when I watch Scotland, um, and if I'm not working and I'm listening, in Scotland score, I instinctively cheer. It's just something I do. But the sad thing for me is, see, growing up, growing up, uh, it was Rangers and then it was Scotland, but I always wanted to grow up and become part of the Tartan Army. It was always something that y you wanted to do. And then, like you guys said, 2012 happened, all sorts of other stuff happened, and now I've got absolutely zero time for the Tartan Army. Um, I've got, after the Ryan Jack boon, I've, I've went to a couple of Scotland games and I've heard a few things said about Rangers. And it, 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 it can get quite disgusting and it, and it can be disparaging. But like I say, I can't not support a team that I support. But well, I think that as well, brings me to manic. Sorry, on you go, Scott. The, the, all, all I was going to say was, Martin, was there's, there's a, a popular clip you can see on, on YouTube. And it's uh, Graham Souness shortly after he arrives at Rangers. 
And one of the things he says, and it's about all to be a really famous quote of his, and he says, no one likes us, but we don't care. Now, Graham Souness was the Rangers manager almost 30 years ago. So why in 2020 should the Rangers fans still need to tolerate that sort of nonsense from mm-hmm. the others in Scottish football? Why, why should we have to, to accept that? And if I can just add no, to that, I, I, it's a fair point you make, Martin, right, given that you still have a, a fondness for Scotland. I don't think anybody doesn't have a fondness for them. Yeah. Right? And I sense that Scott's the same. It's not that I actively want Scotland to get hammered, right? Um, because it's still, it's still my nation. It's where I was born. I'm, you know, I'm a Scot. The difference is I don't actively follow them. I don't get particularly excited and I wouldn't go out my way to go to a game. I can't actually tell you genuinely tell you the last Scotland game I, I went to. Uh, it might be getting back a long time. The last Scotland game I was at was um, at Ibrox uh, against Germany and Big Dunk was playing up front for Scotland when they had that horrendous looking salmon type strip. <laughs> Memory serves me right, he, he hit the bar with a scissor kick or something like that. That was the last Scotland game I was at. That would That's have been really, early 90s. Because I think the last game I was... Uh, was at Ibrox and it was Germany but it might have been before that because I think and this is really getting back I think Nicky Walker was in goal dearie dear for Scotland oh. never, never been something that's been massively massively on my on my football football radar to no. be honest with you um, I, I, I'm certain I've been to games after that in all honesty I think I'm being a wee bit a wee bit nostalgic there through the, the sepia um, just wanted to get the fact that Nicky Walker was a goalkeeper, uh, and <laughs> and at some point, but it may have, it may no, actually been that Duncan game as well, that Ferguson game. I, yeah. I think I might have been there that day as well because I had that. Just sorry, totally breaking your stride here, Martin. But <laughs> uh, when I was younger, my my mum was getting into um, into town, right, and uh, which kind of shows you like right, getting into the town, and I, I need a new football strip to play football with the boys and all that. And I said, look, just pick me one up, right? Obviously thinking, I'll just get another Rangers one because I've got Rangers ones and all that kind of stuff, right? And I had the most up-to-date Rangers ones and all that, but you just think, I'll get another one. Came back with that full peach Scotland strip. Peach oh, shorts, yeah. purple shorts, peach top. Aye. Uh, and, you know, it was a nice enough, well, it wasn't a nice enough strip, right? But it came with a free size five Scotland ball. <laughs> that's why she got me it. And I was like, oh, I magic, thanks for the ball, but I'm going to get halved immediately. You know what I mean? So I run about with a peach top on. Jeez, that's flashbacks. Flashbacks. Sorry, Martin. No, no. Um, I'm just conscious of time. And when I'm conscious of time, I get a wee bit of a fright on me when you start talking. So um, <gasps> I think so do last <laughs> But but listen, on, on a more kind of serious note, I think a lot of the the, the passionate people have lost for Scotland is simply because we're shite, right? That's got a big part to play in as well. We haven't qualified for anything in a long, long nineteen ninety eight or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but my question, Tommy, is then what can be done? to repair the relationship between Rangers supporters and Scotland? Or can it be saved, or is it too far gone? Oh, really interesting one, Martin. Uh, and so while I think about that, I'll say I'm pretty sure it was France 98 and we played Brazil on the opening day of the tournament. We got beat 2-1. I think that was, uh, was it John Collins? John Collins from the penalty spot. 
Um, Colin Henry wrapped around the post uh, at one point as well, if I remember correctly. Oh, so can it be repaired? That's a really interesting question. So it's probably twofold. One, there has to be some sort of structural belief that the Scotland set-up care about Rangers and there's an active engagement there. And that probably comes more from the SP, the SP, sorry, the SAFA and Rangers getting closer together. So that, that probably needs to happen. If you get the sense that there's not really a close-knit relationship there. Yeah. And then the other part to that is the SFA getting tougher on fans. So until the, until the element that quite clearly thinks that it's okay to uh, speak of Rangers fans as being, I'm not going to use the words, right? Use slurs and boo Rangers players in Scotland jerseys, uh, which would make, if that was players from other teams, would be back page news for weeks uh, from, from journalists. But because it's Rangers players, it's just completely blanketed. It was a few, you know, dissenting voices, maybe one or two. I'm pretty sure I heard them way across the telly. So unless they all brought their microphones and tuned into the, the Sky News feed, then I'm pretty sure it was more than just one or two. So that, that part will have to have that cultural change where it's no longer fashionable or acceptable or seen to be acceptable from the governing bodies or the Tartan Army at large to slay biggest club in the country's players then, well, those two things need to happen in order for the relationship to get better and for people to return to it, as well as the, the point that you really well well made there that Scotland could do with winning a few games and getting to a tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nations League might be a, a, a useful tournament in that regard um, once we get back playing, because I think we've still got a... Is it Norway? We need to play? I still like to see Scotland win, but I don't take that much of an interest in who the next game is. Yeah, well, I, th- well, I think, as Scott says, it's Iceland, right? So I, I know it's somewhere in Scandinavia. And then I think that's the semi-final. So you get through that, you're in the final. And then that unlocks, if you win that tournament, it unlocks you going to a, a major tournament, if you like. So mm. it's a back door, which probably Scotland's the best that we can hope for at this point in time. Um, yeah. Also, maybe slightly sick and tired of seeing. Well, do you know what? You actually, if I want to add more to this, right? And I'm trying to do it quickly, but if I was being really, really brutal about it, I'd say relationship won't go better until Stevie Clark's away because Stevie mm. bye bye Rangers. Rangers fans aren't going to buy that, yeah. right? Yeah. National managers are supposed to, be able to bring players and clubs together, not be divisive. Uh, and yeah. getting off the back of taking a a wee club, a wee provincial, uh, provincial club to some heights in the SPFL um, uh, isn't what I would say is national manager calibre. And then the other part of that is it's hard being a Rangers. And I appreciate where we've come from recently because so our squad wasn't always the best, right? I, I fully accept that. But it's hard now seeing players who are, quite frankly, terrible but they play for other clubs in Scotland, getting picked well ahead of Rangers players who are quite clearly superior in technical ability. So you're asking yourself, well, what's, what's happening there? Is it jobs for the boys? Is it Stevie Clark's, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, mates are living? And you think, well, there's guys in there that's not played games, and yet they're, they're walking into jerseys. So until that 
until that changes, then I, it's going to be very difficult to draw the strands together to get a relationship that's really workable with them. Yeah, do you know that the bye-bye Rangers thing, you can accept that as banter for Stevie Clark if he's still the commandment manager the following season or he's moving on to a different team. But when you've just agreed to become Scotland manager and you know the situation between Rangers and Scotland, the, la the last thing you should do, and maybe show a bit of class, is just accept that you won the game and move on, you know? Um, but Scott, just finally on this end, because I can tell by the way you're speaking about it that you've got... I don't know, is animosity the right word to say towards maybe Scotland and the SFA? So, in, in your eyes, is it basically just what Tommy said there about building the relationship back, or is it is it too far gone? No, I think you've got a, a huge uh, mismatch between uh, the the Rangers board currently and almost anyone who's of a position of authority in in Scottish football. And I think one of the reasons for that is that our guys are quite prepared to to question them and almost chastise them if they think they're doing something wrong. And I don't want to go back to how we spoke about Doncaster and the other two gentlemen. Um, we've, we've done that to death. But I think for as long as we have um, the current situation with these people in charge of the game here, we're just not going to get an equilibrium with them. We're not going to meet with them at all, which will in turn sort of filtered down to, to the supporters. Ultimately, I think you'll find over 70% of the Rangers fan base will not be that interested in what Scotland are doing, frankly. Absolutely right. We'll, we'll move on to there. And I did ask some of the listeners to email in their Majors teams. Um, but I think we'll do that next week because okay. we're really quickly running out of time. And I'm on babysitting duties tonight. So <laughs> we'll just finish up on a wee bit of transformers. But I promise, because there's been a few people that have sent teams in, we will definitely get to that next week. Um, right, so a couple of transfer rumours. The first one is Morelos has been looked at by, I believe, a, I'm not going to butcher the name, a club in Qatar. Let's just put it that way. Um, Tommy, A, will Morelos, no matter how much money is offered, want to go to Qatar? And B, do you think Rangers will be willing to sell them now? Well, I think I'm refusing to answer that question until you take a stab at pronunciation of that Qatari club. <laughs> no, because I've I forgot what they're called and I've just written my notes <laughs> Qatar club. <laughs> right, well, okay, I, I will I will run over that. That's a fair a fair point, Martin. Don't see it. Um, Qatar is a, is a is football in backwater. Let's let's be brutally honest here. The only reason that that would be on his radar is if he wanted a incredible payday. Does he need that? No, he's been given a couple of pay rises at Rangers. He will get a big move to you know, a, a lucrative move to another club in time, despite all the naysayers about his phantom disciplinary record and the fact that he doesn't pull his weight and the fact that he's quiet and all that kind of nonsense. This guy's a talented player. Definitely some things he has to work on his game. Not not hiding that. Um, but he'll get, a, he'll get a move. He's still very, very young. Why would he go to Qatar? That, that's the question that needs to be answered. What, would it, what purpose would it serve him, both in terms of his playing career and something I feel is probably really close to his heart, his absolute nailing down of the number nine Columbia jersey. 
I don't think Qatar does any of that for him. Absolutely, and I, I take it you'd agree with that as well, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. I think if Morelos is going to leave us, it's, it's going to be to, to go down south. I, he, we've seen a lot of Morelos the last week while when he went back to Colombia. We've seen a lot of really excellent footage of him um, visiting his local town and, and giving out charity, etc., which I thought was great to see. Um, and certainly not the big bad Alfredo that the MSM have, have portrayed him as. I think also you need to, let's not forget, he's, he's just became a father. So he'll be, he'll be looking for a bit of stability all things being equal, and goodness knows, I hope it's true, that we can keep him for another season. Um, for a couple of reasons, I you, you have to believe that um, eventually he's going to get that sort of long-awaited goal against Celtic. Um, I would love to see him win medals with Rangers before he goes anywhere, frankly. And of course, the supporters just love him. So if we, if we could get another year out of him another season... Um, I'd be quite delighted with that. But when the time does come for Morelos to leave, and of course it will, uh, I suspect it will be to go down south as opposed to to travelling the, the world to Qatar. And if I can just jump in there, because uh, I think it was the £15 million, pound, I think was the figure that was quoted. Um, because neither you nor Scott did it, I will do it myself. Alf Duhail uh, is the pronunciation, I believe. Aldo Hale is how it would be generally spelled, but I think it's Aldo Hal um, or Aldo Hale. Um, somebody can pull me up on that, but there we go. We've done it. We've we've named it. We took a stab at it. That's the Qatar. <laughs> you, took three, you took three attempts and you probably still got it wrong. But, um, I, I, I probably next... just cursed you all uh, in Qatari, to be honest with you. I'm not entirely sure, but I, I, certainly it's pronounced Aldo Hale um, would be the, the actual. Uh, sorry, that's how it's spelled. Right, well, the next player, and I love rumours like this, it's James Tavernier, and it just simply says Premier League clubs. Not any specific club, just randomly Premier League clubs. But it, it throws up the question, Scott A, is he good enough to play in the Premier League? And if, the, if any bid comes in, should Rangers maybe look to get rid of Tav? I would imagine if you put a poll on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, it would be close to 50-50? Uh, yeah, I think so. We, we ran a, a, a poll um, a couple of weeks ago now and we spoke about the, the sort of scenario around Conor Goldson and whether he could stay or go. And it was as, as tight as you could get. I think the, the last sort of remaining percent was, it was like 51% that he stayed and 49% that he go. Uh, I'm in the... I would like to have a near to stay for another season. He did not shower himself in a lot of glory on a couple of occasions this season. There's no two ways about that. But it was a it was a good sign, I think, that he never disappeared into a shell or, or became suddenly withdrawn. For a couple of reasons. It shows he's got a reasonably strong character. But secondly, he's the captain. So the fans, the players on the pitch are looking to to James Tavernier to 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 have that bravery when they're playing for Rangers. Um and, and not let the chips down when, when things just aren't going that great for him. As I say, there was a couple of occasions for that last year. He's always going to be linked with, with a move away from Ibrox, I think purely because he's English and he, he's, he's a very good attacking fullback. He's a standard fullback now. There's not a good fullback in the country that's half decent at defending. 
but they can all bomb forward and they can all sort of hit a, a decent dead ball. Tavernier falls into that category. And for as long as you've got teams down south that are looking to play attacking football with wing backs that bomb forward, Tavernier's going to be linked left, right and centre with these clubs. I think he'll stay for another season and I certainly hope he does. Good enough, Tommy, for you for the English Premier League. Well, I think he was previously linked with Newcastle, I think, and West Brom were in there as well, uh, who will, will no doubt come up into the Premiership. So there's, there's at least two clubs. I, I go back and forward on whether I think he's actually good enough to play in the EPL. Uh, I think he's certainly good enough going forward, modern fullback and all that type of thing. Is he good enough at the back? Well, do you know, maybe the, the counter-argument that would, would be, well, Thomas, Premiership managers by and large are not they're willing to take a punt on the defensive side of things, certain teams, because they want to play that high line, modern fullback, where they're really looking for a winger who can actually put in a challenge. So, which is a fair challenge. I, I would take that from, from people. Um, I just don't know if he would be nailed down uh, for a big club uh, in the Premiership. So then you start looking at, well, okay, what's he got here? He's the captain of world's most successful club. Massive club, 50,000 fans every other week. Who's he going to swap that for? Mid-table, mid at best, in the Premiership? Because let's be quite clear, he's not walking into Liverpool, he's not walking into Man U, he's not walking into um, Arsenal, he's not walking into Man City, he's not walking into Chelsea, go through the clubs, yada, yada, yada. Right, so he's talking mid-table and below for the Premiership, right? So, by and large, yeah, he's going to get a bigger pay packet, but is it worth it to sit on the bench and be a bit popular? Or is it worth it to get a bit more money and be fighting relegation? When you're up here under Steven Gerrard, everything exciting happening around about the club, 150th anniversary coming over the hill, you're the captain, you could be the guy that lifts 55, immortalised by the Rangers fans. Why do you swap that? I don't think I don't think he would. And then on top of that, you add in the fact that I think some people, and I've criticised James Tavney as well. I'm on record with doing it. I think there's a couple of articles on the This Is Ibrox website where I say that. But he's absolutely integral on integral, depending on your pronunciation, there we go, <laughs> to how Rangers play and how Steven Gerrard sets us up. Look at when he's not in the team. And the fact that, of the matter is, Rangers don't massively have a lot of other people who could play that position. Right now, I know Nathan Patterson's in there tipped for big things, um, but would you be massively comfortable, and this is not a comment on Nathan Patterson, but you'd be massively comfortable if he was what you were going into the season with? If he took James Tavenier out and didn't replace him? Well, you wouldn't. People would see a difference in the way that Rangers play if James Tavernier wasn't there, and it would be to the detriment of the team. So I think we're just going to have to live with some of these defensive mishaps. That said, nobody is unmovable. If he keeps making those mistakes at some point, he has to get the bullet. Simple as that. I suppose the, the question is, and just finally on Tavernier, Scott, um, <laughs> <laughs> for anybody listening, my cat's trying to steal the show. Um, <laughs> He's probably made the best on, point. The best point <laughs> on the night, to be honest. <laughs> just finally on Tavernier, Scott. See, we, we sell him, just say 5 million, 8 million. Are we going to get... A, well, clearly, we don't have a better right back at the academy at the moment, right? Nathan Patterson, maybe in the future, could become a superb right back. We don't know that. Could we get in the equivalent or better for the money that we get for Tav? Um, I think it depends on where you shop. So I think, I think what we now have is a, a really shrewd negotiator in Ross Wilson, 
So I, I wouldn't like to say that no, we couldn't, but I think he would he would do a very good job of getting us value for our cash. And I don't think if, if Tavernier was to leave, that any replacement that we would go and get would come from down south. I, I would fully expect a, a replacement to come from uh, the, the glitzy, glamorous European game, um, maybe a Belgian or something like that. I don't think we would find ourselves shopping in the, the championship down south, for example, just duly down to the, the overinflated prices that they've created themselves. I, I, I think it's a moot point, frankly, because I don't think Tavernier is going to go anywhere. Um, I certainly hope he doesn't. And Tommy's absolutely right. There's too much going on that um, you'd be really surprised if he was making noises about going elsewhere. He could be. He could. He could put himself down in, in history. And um, he, he's certainly one for. Uh, I would like to keep. Just to, again, just to add to that, um, yeah, I agree with Scott. There's a practical example. Just, just to answer your question, Martin, because I, I don't think you leave it. You know, I said all that, but in terms of the value piece, there's a really good practical example already at the club. We went out and for what I think just over two million, we got Croatian left back, number one left back. Yeah. So there, there are bargains to be found if you're working hard and you've got the right negotiating team and you've got the right. Uh, ability to move really quickly. And I think that's what really sealed Barisic. It was, we moved really quickly. We got in there. Um, but yeah, you can snap up the first choice creation left back for t- 2 million quid. Yeah, um, and Ross Wilson strikes me. Well, we, we know Ross Wilson is the type of person who's assessing all that. We've just put, you know, further partnership strengthening behind the scenes at Ibrox in terms of our scouting and analysis abilities. So we are looking pan-European, pan-global. Uh, and some of that stuff that's, um, you know, not to wax too, too radical about it because it could be a pod on its own, but Ross Wilson had implemented, you know, the, the kind of black box stuff when he was at Southampton, where you draw the grid lines uh, round about the nation, as in the UK and then Europe, and you start to subdivide all that, and then you target the best players in those in those boxes, and you see yeah, what yeah, the best players well. are coming with. <laughs> all, of that will be, all of that will be happening at Ibrox. You know, it's a system that works. And so we'll be the first club in Scotland who's implemented that type of forward thinking analysis and scouting structure. And so I'm really excited to see what type of players, you know, we, we get uh, and what Ross Wilson can bring in the door. I mean, Calvin Bass is just a start, but, you know, getting a highly rated, um, you know, potential Nigerian international uh, for a couple of hundred grand, £230,000 as part of that. And I'm sure we'll see more exciting things. So the quick answer was, there is value to be found out there, but I don't think that may leave. Right, and then just very, just finally then, one coming in that's been heavily linked, and I think most of us are expecting it to be signed, sealed and delivered, is the St Mirren goalkeeper, Scott, and his name is... <coughs> Flacky. What? What? I thought you were. I thought you. Have you got a hair pull from that cat? Was, was that? Was that close? I don't think so, Tommy. Give it a go. Vaclav Fladke. Alright, so it's right. basically what I said, Martin. No, what you said was. <laughs> I, I tried was to. That's what you said. Well, what I, I tried to throw the start, but. Um, right, right. I, just, I, just really quickly, Scott, because we're really going to finish up. Is that a sign, before we discuss uh, Vlad K, yep. before we discuss him, is that, is that a pretty much 
done deal that Ro- uh, Robin McCrory about him going again next season? I would, I would think so. Yeah, I, I think that um, McCrory's made some cracking progress when he's been out on loan this year, uh, and I don't think, albeit with Fodringham going, that obviously the number two jersey becomes um, empty from a, a goalkeeping perspective. I think if his progress has been as good as what we're led to believe, I think Gerard and Craig Mulholland and Ross Wilson will be keen to to fire him out on loan, probably at another Premiership uh, team or even a team down south. Uh, get him a, a season full of uh, first team appearances, and then you know when he comes back after that and the following season after next, uh, we we could have a decision to make whether it's the former St Mirren keeper uh, or or Ross McCrory to battle out for number one. Now, Tommy, I put my hands up and say I haven't seen much of him. The only time I seen him was against us, and he looked pretty good. Yeah. I'll just stick by calling him Backlav, uh, right? Nice and simple for me. Uh, you know, he's free transfer. He's 29. 47 appearances for St Mirren. I think he's got one under 20 check appearance as well. From what I saw of him, he's a good keeper. I always have the concern that keepers can look good for smaller clubs because they make a lot of saves. Uh, it's when you get up into a big team like Rangers, is your concentration and your focus good? Can you make that? no saves for 94 minutes and then a top class save in the 95th minute to, to win the points. That's how you make your name at Rangers. Uh, I think Scott's is right though in terms of, and I believe I've mentioned this on previous pods way back at the beginning as well, that McCrory will go back out, which leaves you with, let's say, uh, Vaclav Hladke comes in. Uh, he takes up the number two jersey to push McGregor who I think has maybe got one, two seasons left in our max in Rangers, maybe. Uh, and that's not denigrating Al McGregor as a top top goalkeeper. I just time catches up with everybody. And then you've got your backup to to that. Your number three would be Andy Firth, who I think signed another one year deal. Yeah. So that allows McCrory to go out. And then uh, McCrory comes back in as maybe given the nod as the, the number one. Maybe McGregor stays around for another year in the background. Although I get the sense that McGregor's the type of guy who wants to play all the time. And so that leaves you with 5K and you bring in somebody else because I sense that Andy Firth is never going to be the Rangers Rangers number one. Um, maybe <laughs> Rangers number one Instagram uh, handler, but uh, nothing else. So that's how that looks out. Ultimately, it's all focused on uh, a mirror of Alan McGregor's career because McGregor cycled through Rangers youth, highly tipped, had great goalkeepers in front of him, couldn't really, you know, get in naturally, obviously as one would expect. Went out to a couple of clubs, went to Dunfermline, really made a, a good name for himself at Dunfermline, came back, got the jersey, never let it go. And they'll just follow the same pathway with Robbie McCrory. Go out there, earn your spurs, do your premiership or your English championship stuff, make some big decisions, make some mistakes, learn from them, have the confidence, the mental strength to go over them, Come back, get the jersey. Be one of our own and be a long-term Rangers number one. That's that's how we see it playing out. Simple as that. And final word to you, Scott. Are you happy with Vladky coming in or not happy? I think it's a difficult one to call. I think he's ultimately going to come in as, as number two, isn't he? 
I'm a, as everyone knows, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Alan McGregor, so he's going to be number one next season. <laughs> I think one thing that we do know as well is that there's a, a really, there's a huge depth of talented goalkeepers at the Rangers training centre. Um, Firth's in there, uh, you've got obviously Robbie McCory, uh, Louis Budanoukis, Kieran Wright, straight down to the, the sort of under-19s, the, the sort of Hogarth brothers are in there as well, all highly rated. Um, so we've got a, a really huge um, plethora of goalkeepers. I'm reluctant to say we're in really safe hands. Oh. But uh, genuinely we are. If 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 Fladke does if oh god, if Fladke does come in as number two, I'd be quite happy with that. But it's gonna need something really, really special to to move Alan McGregor out of that number one jersey for me. And you could tell that I was on the bare bones of Mars there. Are you happy? Are you not happy? So, gentlemen, <laughs> that will do us for this evening. Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you very much, Tommy. Thanks, Martin. Cheers, Tommy. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Have a nice evening. And we also need to get that end bit sorted as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. And we'll speak to you next week. Yeah. <laughs>